Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Shop Talk Show. We have two fantastic sponsors this week. Environments for Humans are promoting their responsive web design summit. It's an online summit coming up this first through third, all about responsive web design. Shop Talk Show gets you 20% off any ticket combo. And the WordPress plugin WPDB Migrate Pro. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know a lot of people have questions about that. That major question of how do you keep in sync live databases and local databases, particularly in WordPress land. And this plugin really does an amazing job. It's at deliciousbrains.com slash Pro, or just Google it. We'll tell you more about both those things later in the show. But for now, let's kick things off. Welcome to the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about the web. Is and it stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we cover web. I like it when you say front end because then it front like, end. Ob- it obfuscates us from answering back end questions poorly. Do you like it just when I say front end in general? Like, hey, Chris, front end. <laughs> or is like it specifically in the intro? Tongue. What yeah. song does a unicorn make? Is it like this? That that's a really great question. A nice, a nice coup. That's <laughs> we have with us Miss Leslie Jensen Inman. How are you, Leslie? I'm doing really well, thanks. This is great. Are you coming at us live from the chat from the apostrophe nuga? Yeah, from from the nuga. <laughs> Apostrophe One of the per- people that writ-, writ in a question that we'll get to later uh, said apostrophe nuga, and I was like, mm, and it took me a minute to get it, but then I remembered where you're from. Yeah, we go. Yeah, we go from a whole bunch of different names, and and we say things like, you know, it's totally chawsome to be here. <laughs> you know, add the ch. Hey. Hey. We, we we know it's cool, man. We know it's cool. Chawsome. That's awesome. That's so that's in. Tennessee and and is it's isn't it what is it oh I don't know I I heard one time it had the world's fastest internet is that correct uh yeah it's well now Google Fiber has started you know to pop up other places but I think we have the most um, pervasive fastest and most affordable within the Western Hemisphere so and um, affordable it's six hundred miles of one gig up one gig down Ooh. service. Um, in in our in our city and and around the area, so and it's all done through our local uh, municipal uh, electric power board. So it's pretty neat. How how does that change your life? Is it just wonderful? Is it just like actually everything yes. <laughs> I want to look at is instant? Is that just how it feels? It's totally instant. So you know, I have uh, when I'm at home um, or at work, I can get one gig up, one gig down. Uh, simultaneous, which is pretty amazing. It's sort of so much that it's sort of hard to figure out what you do with that, except for things that don't seem like things I would um, talk about with like my mom. <laughs> but but I did find out the other day a super practical situation. My entire computer, and it's during this big project we're working on, it, it had this massive kernel panic. You know, the kind that mm-hmm. you call up Apple Care because you've tried every single thing. And Apple Care says, okay, so you are going to have to download and reinstall the, the OS, and it's going to take you hours. And you say, really? Hours? Like, and, and she goes, well, you know what? It's a really large download and install. And, and I, you know, it's like, really hours? <laughs> it's like, and then she goes, done while you're well, on the your phone. Internet access- yeah, it, yeah. And she goes, What's your internet access be? And I said, well, we get one gig up, one gig down. She goes, oh, you'll be fine. And 35 minutes later, my entire computer was fixed. Nice. So, Did it really fix it, that's too? That's nice. Practical. Sometimes those kernel panics it, can be like logic board screw-ups and stuff. But. Oh, my gosh. I was so worried. But I sort of prayed to, you know, the computer gods and was hurt. The ghost of S- Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. 
So wow. you were a a, a a a professor at the University of of T- Tennessee in Chattanooga for a long time, right? Yep, for about uh, for five years. Five years, and that and 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 no and no longer, right? Because you're often doing something new. Right. Um, so I resigned from my position there um, to go ahead and start a new user experience design school. Okay, so that's that's like the big. That's where probably most of your time is today, and 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 passion and stuff. You want to just tell us all about that? I think this is kind of good timing for it because there's a there's some stuff going on around it right now. Yeah, it's really exciting. So I'm working with Jared Spool, and we're creating this user experience design school for adults, and it's really focused on being practical and having real world experiences within. Uh, within the education. So um, the, our students will work on projects, real projects with real clients and real uh, partner companies and real organizations. And they will get to have real experiences and understand what it is to not just um, you know, design something and make it look nice, but actually go through the entire build process, which oftentimes doesn't happen in a traditional academic environment. Mm-hmm. And you would know because you are, are, have been a part of education for so long. Just yeah, it, what what we really want to do is create ways um, for students to graduate and get real jobs immediately, and for hiring companies and hiring managers to not have to go through a lengthy onboarding process with their with our recent graduates. Like our students mm-hmm. from day one will be able to go into a company and start providing value versus taking, you know, six months, eight months, three months, whatever it takes to, to kind of catch the pace of that company. And that's because we're going to be working with real partner companies t- that uh, students will mm-hmm. be able to work with them from day one and sort of get the sense of what the culture is like at the company, to understand what, what are the hard things that are um like the realities of working with other people and other teams within that company and, and just know exactly what they're getting into and understand like the really sexy problems, even in things that don't seem necessarily sexy from the outside. Sure. So, I mean, th- that that's why they're going to be prepared when they leave is because they're literally going to be kind of doing that job while they're there. It's just they're... Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they get to do it in an environment where... We'll have full-time um, faculty, which we call facilitators, because they're more like a mix of learning coach and project leader and mentor and guide than just like sage on stage here, I'm going to go talk to you and you better listen. That's that's not the way people really have transformative learning experiences. Um, so our, we're setting it up so our facilitators guide the students through these experiences. So they could actually say a project's not going well. Um, this The facilitator can do what we say is like hit the pause button and say stop and say, hey, I know you guys have been working on this for a week and you thought it was going to really work out, but it's not. Let's talk about why and then let's talk about what do we do from here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, that's the job. <laughs> so it's lit- Yeah, it's just something you... It's ahead, literally sorry. called the Unicorn Institute. Okay, so that's not exactly that. That's not the name of the school. That's been the name of our research project and our sort of our oh. code name. the The thing is, a school will be called Center Center, and it's C E N T E R, C E N T R E. And the Unicorn Institute came about. I don't even know where it came from. It just sort of stuck. We started. We were in these meetings with um, big big companies and. The word unicorn kept coming up, and people sort of, it resonated with them. So, mm-hmm. what happens in Tennessee, uh, and that's where we're opening the school, um, we have to go. We had to go through a really amazingly strenuous authorization process with the state. And with the state, the requirements are you can't actually really talk about the school in a way that it is a school until it's authorized. And so we wanted to share our research and our thoughts and, and talk with people about this. So we had our research project name, the Unicorn Institute. Uh, you can't use, like, the word school or whatever. 
No, you actually get a uh, fined a thousand dollars a day <laughs> if you do that. So we had to be really careful. Yeah. But that's, that's just one little example of how you, how you are really kind of. I don't know. You know what you're doing and doing the right stuff. Is that is? But now you can refer to it as a school, right? Because didn't you get some approval? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the last week of January, so not even a month ago, we were we were finalized in our authorization from the state of Tennessee, and so we're now a real diploma granting post secondary school. Nice. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's so much fun. I'm, it's really nice to be able to tell people that like, what I'm working on. For so long, I'm like, hey, I promise, I promise, I'm doing something really cool. Just trust me. So that was actually going to be like that's that was my biggest question. Like, how do you get somebody? to con their parents out of tens of thousands of dollars and not get a diploma. But it seems like you guys kind of solved that. So that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And, and of course we're hoping to not con anyone. <laughs> and we actually think we'll have a lot of people that aren't straight out of high school. We think we're going to have a lot of career shifters. So we'll probably have more 40 year olds and 18 year olds. And our, we think our average will be somewhere between late twenties and late thirties. So but we'll have some really awesome 18-year-olds, too, probably the people that have built, been building their own websites since they were, you know, I don't know, in diapers or whatever. And uh, they, But they're, they don't really need uh, go-find-yourself kind of experience with their education. They already know what they want to do, and they, they're probably the kids that were super bored in high school, and they're ready to, to move on and, and, and move on in a big way. Yeah, so there'll be some, um, surely, naturally, some some diversity there and and bringing people together not by age but by desire that's it and the more diversified i mean we know this right the more diversified our teams are the um the better the products tend to be and the more empathy and understanding you have Mm -hmm. for different audiences are and so by mixing different backgrounds different ages different genders just everything different um, the students will be working on team projects for a huge part of the curriculum. And so I think that'll help them just understand how to work with people once they get out into a professional setting as well. So in some ways you're, you're, uh, <laughs> attacking some of the more core problems that our industry has kind of at the core. Cause uh, you know, if you go to like an engineering college or something like that, you know, it's all mostly male in engineering programs and stuff like that. So this seems like it's it's way more diverse from the get-go. Is it? That's our goal. We're really looking to create holistic, uh, you know, the unicorns. We're looking to create generalist um, and for people to have a really great understanding of all sides of a problem, you sort of need to bring different people together to look at it. That's the way you get really creative solutions. Yeah, even even the age seems like the age diversity it seems like a big important thing. I mean, like font sizes being too small, stuff like that. You know, the traditional design school is like ten pixel fonts. You know, so or six. <laughs> or six I don't know. Yeah. You like you're taking a microscope out. Um, the yeah, that's one of the best classes. Well, the best class I had um, taught at. Uh, at university was a class that had, like, they started out, I think, as a mix of 20 to 20 year olds to in their 40s. And they had very different life experiences. And some of the students had kids and some didn't. And they were all in different places. And that really strengthened the group. And sometimes, like, the, the person in her 40s was saying, Hey, to the 20 year old, when you get a job, make sure you start saving for retirement now, like things you just don't think about necessarily when you're really young. Um, but you know, there's these life lessons. And then like the 20 year old was helping the 40 year old figure out some technology that, you know, just didn't seem as natural. So having diverse groups is just, I think it's the way that we all really need to be, be going within education and also within our industry. Yeah. That's fantastic that you'll have that kind of built into uh, so there was a time in my life where I was living in Madison, Wisconsin, and I was wanted to, I don't know, up my game a little bit. And there was a, uh, there's a, um, what was called a portfolio school there opening called Extra Bowl. I think this is in like 2007 or something like that. Um, and it was, it was, I, I guess they used the word school, but maybe they shouldn't have been or, or whatever, but it was not accredited or didn't have the, you know, the, the proper permissions or whatever. Then their idea was just like, Hey, we're industry professionals. We'll, 
we are passionate about this. We'll just, you know, we don't need a diploma or whatever. You, you paid it to level up your ability here and your portfolio will be the thing that gets you the job or whatever. And it lasted about a year, maybe. And now they're, they're kind of long since closed. So you think that's, the, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what my whole story behind that was. I'm just saying that there's some, there's, there's certainly some risk here, right? And they closed for financial reasons. So one of the ways that you're, I don't know, getting rid of some financial risk is that you're asking for money now, right? That's what this Kickstarter is all about. Yeah. They, well, there's a couple of points in there. Um, one is in the state of Tennessee, we had to go through this process in order to be able to call ourselves a school or to have the kind of educational like learning opportunities that we were creating. Um, so we we didn't have a choice in it, but we are so happy that we went through the process because Every decision that we've had to make through this process, and I mean, it's a really intense project. Currently, the state of Tennessee has 13 inches of binders filled with papers from us. Um, And they've gone through every single one of these things, but they're making sure that students are getting top-notch education, that there's no way that there's this, uh, you know, a scam that the student's money goes to the promises, like they make sure we're going to meet the promises and all of that. And in that way, Jared and I are just so excited that our students know what they're getting is real and it's backed up by the state of Tennessee. Right, right. So that's really It's cool. like some marketing other, too, isn't it? Kind of like uh, like Dave was kind of saying that this is, it just makes it feel more real in the eyes of people that who are are, are, are potentials. Well, you know, I think that's a really great benefit that comes out of a really hard process. It took us a year to go through this process with the state. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of checks and balances, and they just make sure that what we promise we're going to do, we're going to do. And they will they will have audits every year or every and then every couple of years. You know, they, they'll keep tabs on us and make sure that we're keeping our promises. And so in that way, I think it's really cool that um, – that there's someone else looking out for our students. You know, it's it's pretty yeah. neat. Cool. And and Jared Spool is kind of your your partner in this. What role is he playing? So Jared and I were both co-founders, and um, you know, our roles change all the time. Uh, but Jared really helps you know bring a perspective from hiring companies and helps us build those kind of relationships um, and. You know, he also has great industry contacts as well. So we we balance each other really nicely, and we get to have these great conversations about what what should our students learn and how should they learn it. And I'll often bring you know a student perspective or a teacher perspective or a learning perspective, and and then he'll come back and say, well, what about this thing with the hiring company? And you know, it's this really great partnership where we can build off each other's strengths so it's pretty exciting yeah, that's great i saw i saw jared speak recently ish and he had a talk i don't know if it's this one he's still doing or i'm sure he's got a million of them but the, it was like now's a great time to be a ux designer kind of thing and part of some of what he was saying is some of the stuff that made it into uh, i'm just looking at the kickstarter page kind of like there's there's 150,000 u uh, ux listed jobs like at any given time right now in the uh in this country i think it says right or yeah in the u.s alone so that's an incredible amount of i mean what a great idea to to look at what what was obviously the need is and then make a school around that need well and it's really neat to be able to create something to help people get really meaningful well-paying jobs you know, a lot of times you can go to, um, you know, follow a career path through education that doesn't lead to an actual job. And then you're left with student loans or other responsibilities. And you, you all you really want to do is be able to be a productive member of society and, and have a job and have something that you wake up every morning excited about the problems you're going to face. Um, and with UX, that that's something that you get to do. So that's it's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. There's a, I, yeah, go ahead. Dave. Oh, I heard Jared Spool invented the page up and page down keys on the keyboard. Is that true? You, you know that that is the rumor. That's what I hear on the street. That is, I I can't unknow that fact, and I hope it's true. But it's like he's like partially responsible for what I call the six pack of keys. So <laughs> I love it. The six. Yeah, pack. the six pack. 
Anyway. Yeah, you know, Jared's been doing this for a really long time, and uh, and it's it's fun to to kind of hear the projects he's worked on, and that is what I've heard too. So, but you'd have to ask Jared directly to to verify yeah, it. Yeah, we might have to wrangle him into the old show. There's another interesting. I'm Get sure you wouldn't mind to be wrangled. That comes up on Chop Talk once in a while is this idea is first of all in the in the market of learning learning how to how to work in this industry there's a proliferation these days of learning resources from and a number of things that have sponsored uh, the, the show before things like Treehouse and Code Academy and Code School and uh, there's I'm surely there's more than that that I'm forgetting there's just loads of them and they're they're never used to be right so there's a lot of these people and and, and everybody's you know applauds them and it's great and the learning resources have gotten better but there's this kind of idea that you need to have a certain degree of learning style I guess or internal motivation to learn alone by looking at a screen and in the quiet. And there's some people that it just doesn't work for necessarily, or, or that they're like, I need a, I just need a, a different setting for that. Like I thrive more in a school like environment. Is that some of the, the thinking there too? Is there, is there going to be an online component to this? Like those th- things that I mentioned, or is it, is it like catering specifically to the, I don't know, the people that, that prefer to sit in a chair or in a classroom? Well, so our, like, sitting in a chair in a classroom is not, like, what you would imagine sitting in a chair in a classroom is going to be like. Our space and our furniture and everything we're doing is basically to help students understand what it's like to be in a professional setting, to work within teams, to also be able to be self-motivated and learn by themselves. Um, It's really getting... Um, allowing students, and, and this this particular issue is a little bit um, more true for, for younger people, but there's a professional stamina that takes place that you need to have when you're working in a professional environment. And the current kind of education, traditional education, it's really hard to... Um, you know, feel like what it feels like to put in an eight, ten, whatever amount of hours day when um, classes are broken up and in funny ways. And, and um, we're trying to make a realistic professional environment with the aid and guidance of these facilitators and industry experts. So it's sort of like a safe place to fail um, and a place where you can learn from failure and from success. Um, where there's a lot of reflection happening uh, within within the day. But online courses, that kind of thing, that's not our immediate focus because we really want to focus on getting the, the core of the school solid before going in any other directions. But creating what we'd like to do, and this will all depend on, you know, resources and that kind of thing, but what we'd really like to do is provide as many of our resources for learning and for education, for teaching, those kind of things online um, so that we can help other people who may not be going to coming to our school, but maybe, you know, when we want to help basically the industry. You know, we have, we have a larger goal than just, um, just our Your school. We have a, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do the reason we decided. So when we started this out, we actually have spent about over two years doing research, and um, we went to these major companies that we are talking with about being partner companies with the school. And these companies said to us, "What we need are people that know how to work in the same physical space." There are a lot of remote teams happening. But it seems like people can understand how to work remotely once they know how to work with people in a physical mm. space. And so um, they said to us, we need people. We need to be able to hire people that know how to work with people in a physical space, that know how to sit through a meeting that might be three hours long and look like they're not dying. <laughs> Is that this, that's this particular that's skill? Me, that's what they I literally think. told you? <laughs> They literally told us that, you know, it's like that someone that can um, also have the skill of like writing an email that isn't a novel. 
you know, these kind of really interesting yeah, uh, problems that hiring companies me. are being faced. If I was ever in the position to hire, I think I would like almost exclusively do it on your ability to write amazing emails. <laughs> yeah, because how many of those do you get in a day? <laughs> yeah, it's a craft for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally. Completely. All right. There's more questions that are around the center center, the, the, the unicorn slash the unicorn institute, AKA code name, secret name, uh, that we'll get to in a minute. I thought we maybe will, we'll segue into that area. Do you have anything to mention, Dave? No, I sure don't. But uh, you uh, wrote some drama here. Do you want to talk about nah, that? I don't know enough about that first one there to mention. I, just, I didn't read it. I was at a conference. So let's skip that. Yeah, I did want to mention that. I, I think, um, I, God, I can't remember what episode it was on it. But but as we do, we kind of ask people to, to you know, if you have more experience in a certain aspect of thing that we were talking about. And that's when we were talking about minorities in web design, essentially. Uh, and, and Martin Duran wrote in and, and kind of wrote up some of his thoughts on it and then sent us this article. Uh, he sent me a draft of it and I, and I kind of read it and then he published it on a, on a friend of his post. And it was kind of like his experiences being a Latino in web design. And it's cool. So we'll link it up. We'll link it up in the thing. And it was, it was, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a balanced article and it's kind of like, I'm Latino and in this industry and I haven't experienced really, everybody has been super welcoming to me and it's been great. But as I look around, I do see that there's super few around me and why is that? So hopefully if there's anybody reading in, I don't know if you've, if you've ever been put off to the idea of it because you are a minority and don't see others in this industry, uh, don't be because, uh, uh, Martin had a, a pretty good experience. I'll link it up so you can read the whole thing if you'd like, but thanks for sending that in Martin and, and expanding our knowledge and everybody else's experience there. Thanks Martin. And I did, I just remembered some, uh, uh, some drama. Firefox now supports MP3. And H two six four. Wow! Did you know that? No, because you that. tweet about that. I'd say every other week, maybe. I it's the my most frustrating thing about that is the like incompatibility and the redundant work and the redundant publishing that we have to do to support two browsers, basically. Right, uh, and then the counter argument is always like, "Well, it's not an open standard. Why doesn't MP three just open their standard?" I mean, there's always some witty reply that you get from somebody that's like, "It's not Firefox's fault." Yeah, and that's like theoretical purity over authors, yeah. you know, paving the cow paths, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Cisco open sourced a, a, a decoder, and so now it's uh, available on Firefox. And I don't know if it's an Opera yet, but, man, that is good news for me. It's been in since Firefox 26, which is came out in, blah, 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 like, December maybe. And so maybe that's why, like, the – uh, the live player on shop talks just suddenly started working. So anyway, that's interesting. I thought you guys should know that because like it's going to make your life a whole lot better. And I'm actually, I, you, you may have seen my cope pen, but I've been like messing around, like making a podcast player just on, on a code pen, just seeing if I can do it. And my biggest blocker was like, like the aug or, or the, the fallback. Cause if you do a flash fallback, you have to like then use a whole different API for your, like for your, uh, yeah, you have to now use the API to match the flash API, blah, blah, blah. It's not that rad. So now we're in a position where we can just use HTML. Yeah, you can use an audio APIs. element and a MP3 file in there and call it a day. Huh? Yep. I'm excited. Anyway, that's all. I wanted to share that. Pretty good. News. Can't wait for that post. Drama. We'll use it. I, I, we talked about it briefly last night, and it seemed pretty interesting. And um, yeah, well, I'm doing a new podcast with the with the with the fellers at CodePen. So maybe I'll link that up, or maybe I'll talk about it in the future. It's just like the three of us kind of uh, documenting what it's like to run a little web business, kind of as we go, and, and picking little topics and stuff. So we're calling it CodePen Radio, tentatively. Uh let's get into some questions. How about that? Yeah. Question and answer the meat and potatoes of the shop talk show. Brian Carney, car plus knee, writes in center center will be in Nuga. I'm in KC. Will we both have or will have Google Fiber or five gigabit internet? Classes will be offered online, right? 
Yeah, so we won't be starting with classes online, but again, our hope is to share the resources of how we are you know, going about making the classes and building the curriculum and the different resources. And then we'll see where things go. I mean, our goal, I mean, it would be really great to be able to share the information we're pulling together through online courses. We just want to make sure that we really, really get things right before we go in that direction. So that if and when we decide to go in that direction, you know, people are getting really, really great product. Sure. Cool. That's your, there's an answer for you, Brian. We got one here from, actually, what should I do? It's, it's, it's about halfway through here. Uh, what's that, Dave? Yeah, go for it. Okay, Bob Rockefeller wrote oh, in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a segue question. That's what I think Dave was alluding to. Okay. Do you guys have any experience with the WordPress plugin WP Migrate DB Pro? What do you think of its usefulness and reliability? Any special what outs? Dealing with WordPress database problem is the biggest pain for me in developing locally and then deploying remotely. This plugin appears to solve that problem. That is a segue because they are literally sponsoring that this podcast this week and. So it's a it's a it's a premium WordPress plugin, and that that I think they have a non-pro version of it that kind of exports databases, and then you have it, and then you can use the plugin elsewhere to, to import it. The pro version of it, which I am a huge fan of, uh, just it, it it automates the thing. So you you don't you there's no file you have to deal with at all. So you have a local domain, say, and I and I do this for every single site that I work on. I just used it yesterday for the the CodePen blog I was working on. I have blog.codepen.what up is my local version of that website that I mess around and play on and keep it up to date and whatever. And then it deploys out to blog.codepen.io. So I have my local version of it and my live version of it. And of course it's on GitHub and, uh, it, we just, and I, and there's a deployment strategy there. So I work on it and then commit the changes and then deploy the changes live. So that's, that's how we've talked about that a number of times. That's the kind of workflow for, for front end for, for most people these days, I feel like. Uh, but then it's like, let's say you are working locally and you're having some problem on the live site. You used like a a block quote in a blog post and you forgot to style block quotes you're like oh man i i want to work on that problem locally I'm like, well, then what, what should I do? Should I like copy that post and, you know, like make a new post that happens to have a block quote in it locally? And the longer those type of things happen, like the more diverged the actual content gets on those two sites. Uh, it's kind, it would be kind of nice if they were just synced up just like the code is for the website, right? Isn't there some kind of way that we can keep the databases in sync between these things? And that's what WPDB Migrate Pro is. You just kind of, you can do it either way. You can kind of suck up from the dev site. So if you like do your blog, locally you could do it that way and then and then suck up the database content up or my what i do more often is i just like want a fresh copy of the stuff locally and so it works either way i can just be like okay just suck everything down and it just takes a second to set it up there's a little key that keeps it secure that you enter and I just be like, bring down all the new stuff and be like, oh, there's the post that's got the block quote in it. Let me just change up the code, deploy the new code, all set. You know, now then the live site is ready. So, I mean, I literally used it yesterday because I was getting this podcast thing ready for, for the thing. And I was, I had the post live and I was like, oh, I need that. I need all those, those podcast posts ready for me locally. So I just sucked all the stuff down with WP Migrate Pro. Use it on everything. We use it on the Shop Talk site. I even, it was, it took a while to get done, but I do it on CSS Tricks now too, which is a over six gigabyte database that it keeps in sync with it. Pretty cool. Anyway, I know that was long winded, but I'm a fan of them. They're at deliciousbrains.com slash WP Migrate DB Pro. Awesome. Yeah, it's really helpful. So let's get back to the questions. Let's do that. Greg Lilly writes in, and this is for Leslie. This is, uh, are all perspective 30 courses mandatory or are they electives? And are all courses consecutive or is summer open to intern work with partner companies? If time, if you have the time and we do, what's the target size for the first cohort of people? What's the cost of the program? Do you, if you know that, uh, who are the partner companies and when can I apply? Holy moly. That's a lot of questions. Um, well, let's break it down. How about are all 30 courses mandatory? So there are 30 courses that are mandatory, but a whole bunch of them are left open as, uh, what do you describe as electives? There kind of can be either a mix of internships or special topics or um, kind of like an individual study uh, courses. So 
uh, we've got a whole bunch of courses that um, we've left really open so that they meet the needs of that particular student's goals um, and so that we can change things and move with the industry as it moves. Um, so all 30 courses are required, but you get to choose a whole bunch of them yourself and work with the facilitator to make sure you get the education you really need. Then um, it is a consecutive program. It's two years. And some people go like, but why? Why two years? That seems like a long time. But again, it goes back to our research. And when we talked with the hiring companies, what they said to us, um, they said, in order to be able to hire somebody, we need somebody that has at least two years of practical experience. And what we're talking about really is kind of creating those uh, junior UX people. And so a junior UX person needs time to actually build their hard and soft skills. And so the program allows for that time. Um, let's see, and I think that another question was how many students in the first, uh, what we call them, our, our groups of students moving forward together are called cohorts. And each cohort will be uh, 36 students with three facilitators. So there's a, um, you know, there's one facilitator for every 12 students, but all three facilitators will work with all 36 students. So you get a kind of a mix of different personalities and leadership types and um, really uh, an opportunity to really connect and and to be guided by different kinds of people, that kind of thing. Uh, ignorant question. Uh, is 12 to 1 better than 500 to 1 at a conventional university? <laughs> I guess, um, you know, it all depends on what you're trying to get out of a course. <laughs> Uh -huh. okay. If it's, okay. if it's have, absolutely nothing, 500 to 1 is a good ratio, I think. Yeah. Are all classes pass-fail or it, do you have uh, The way that we're doing it is uh, pass-fail uh, because there's all kinds of studies that show that that'll produce the kind of students we're going after, the kind that are really tenacious and gritty and that are lifelong learners often don't respond very well to being graded with an A through F. Um, sure. or letter or number grades. It's and it tends to be divisive when you're talking about team projects. Um, people start competing against each other in a way that's different than they would could be competing in a professional environment. So, you know, we're trying to be as true to professional life as possible, and to allow our students to have the opportunities to really connect with each other, connect with partner companies, really grow and focus on what's important, which are building those relationships, building the skills. And the important thing isn't a grade. It just, it, and lifelong learners, that kind of stuff never has been, you know, you, you'll see a student, you know, get C's, but be, be amazing at what they do, but they're just, you know, they're, they're making choices based on other, other. Makes me feel better about my C's. You know, it, I, I didn't start getting good grades until I started liking the topics. You know, I was just bored in school until till college, and uh, and then I just decided to get good grades because it I, I it was fun to game the system. And so, you know, I know there's a whole bunch of people like that out there, and those are the students we're going to be looking for. So, we might as well focus on what's really important, which are relationships and skill building. Mm -hmm. So you I I remember at my computer science classes, they'd sit us down, you know, for a test, like ABC, you know, graded test. They'd sit us down and they'd be like, pencil and paper, write out these programs, you know, in, in with pencil and paper. And it was just like, ah, uh, I, this is not, I'm not comfortable, you know? And so I, I failed those classes. Uh, but now it's what I do for a living. It's yeah. It, and UX is very similar. You know, it's like, wireframe this out on paper you might be like um, i mean that's what i would do but how do you know if it's the right answer until later you know i'm curious how you'll like do testing maybe somebody we'll else do a lot of that. different so i think people take like confuse assessment with testing people a lot of times will use testing to figure out where students are and where they need to go um, but like you, I was the same way. Like testing, like first of all, I didn't do well on tests because I sort of froze up on them. Second of all, I thought they were meaningless. They didn't really relate to my life in any kind of meaningful way. So I didn't care. Like, I'm, what am I going to do? Study for a test and never use that answer again? But I, I remember I, I took a course, a lighting course for film and video 
in college, and I remember understanding for the first time why like physics and and light meters and stuff were important, and that made sense to me in a way that none of the courses I took in high school about physics made sense to me. So I think you know we're creating a school for people that like to roll up their sleeves and get stuff done and, and really work towards the learning. Like so, it's learning by doing versus just learning by reading or learning by mm-hmm. being lectured to. That's great. So instead of having to write a cow counting application, <laughs> you might have something a little more practical. I, pre- I appreciate that. Pass to Dave. Really appreciate that. Here's All there's right. a there's a certain fact here too about that that these type of job that you're going to get when you get out of here is probably like a pretty good job, right? We we kind of luck out in this industry that. The pay is usually pretty good. The benefits are pretty good. The the work from home possibilities are pretty good. There's a lot of like pretty cool reasons other than than just your love of the web or or whatever uh, to to kind of go into this world. So when you there, there's some motivation there to learn learn it so that when you get out you can have one of these pretty cool jobs. Um, so there's an investment, right? You're like, well, I don't know anything about this, but I, I like this area and I like, like what it's going to be like to work in it. So I don't know. I, this is my roundabout way of saying that, like, that you can, you can, you could probably charge whatever you want for this kind of thing. Do you want to talk about money? That was one of Greg Lilly's questions here, but maybe you're not ready to do that, but I'm not forcing any, but what, what's the deal? What's it going to cost? So, um, I'm not going to say specific numbers right this moment because we're working with some organizations and companies on um, building out some scholarships to bring costs down. So I want to see where we get in the next month or two before Mm -hmm. announcing um, what it is. But what we are doing is something that I think is pretty unique. There are a couple schools that do this, but um, not a whole ton. We are doing something that we, it's termed uh, like an all-inclusive tuition model. So I don't know if you all have ever looked at like trying to figure out what a college or university or even a tech school costs, but it can be often very confusing because there'll be like a base price and a hidden fee for this and another fee well, that for that. doesn't include the dorms or, and then you got to pick a meal plan. That's different. And, yeah, yeah. And then, you, well, then you have to pay for your books and your computer mm-hmm. and your software. So our, ours is going to cover tuition, um, your laptop and your software and the hardware you need, even like the post-it notes and notebooks you need and the pens and Sharpies, you know? So the number is it. If you have, if you can come up with that number, you're good. You will pretty much every dollar you need. That, well, there's Other a couple of things. gas, maybe. Yeah, there's a couple of things that like gas, you know, your own health insurance, mm-hmm. you know, parking, because the way Chattanooga is, yeah. there's probably people probably won't need as much parking. Um, and some, like some of the food is not covered and, and your housing's not covered, but that, but everything else is. And that makes it really easy to know exactly what you're getting into. So you're never, you're never mm-hmm. wondering like what, when, when are they going to surprise me with this next thing? Um, we're not. We're just totally upfront and honest and transparent. And that's that's our goal for everything with the school is just to be, you know, as clear and to humans as possible. Very good. Very good. So it'll, you know, I don't know, no, no cost yet, but, but, but presumably it's going to be, it's, you know, if people are thinking about this, it's, it's not going to be like, Five hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, it's no. gonna. It's there's gonna, gonna be. It's gonna be bucks. There's gonna be some. It's gonna be a commitment to you. Let's let's take it. Let's take it here actually, and 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 see if this would be right for us. Our user who wrote in, Mark Phoenix, writes in. I totally hate my job. I run a successful window cleaning. I run a successful window cleaning business, but it's so dull it makes me weep bitter tears. <laughs> I'm therefore trying to turn myself into a freelance developer slash designer. I've given myself two years to do this. I have one full day a week, plus other scraps of time to devote to learning code things. I've just finished the book Learning Web Design by Jen Robbins. I have, I'm about to subscribe to Tuts Plus Premium. Uh, I have, I, I read a number of blogs and tip sites and I, you know, I've learned a little bit of JavaScript. My question is, can I, can I acquire these skills I need purely by these online resources and book-based stuff or, or what, what can I do? He's trying to get out of this window cleaning thing and into a different career. 
and he's got a little bit of time here and there to do it or, or, or would we recommend Mark, do you have enough, do you have enough save window cleaning bucks that you might be able to, to dig into a, a something like center center? What should, what well, would your be advice to Mark? You know, it's, that's the kind of thing that's really hard to just say, here's here, take my advice. Sure. Um, yeah. what I can say is that right now, um, and Chris, you, you said this earlier, there are a lot of different ways to learn these kind of topics that didn't exist, you know, five years ago. I started talking about like web education a, a long time ago and people were just like, well, what, that sounds boring. But now there's actually a lot of, um, books and resources and online tools and things like Treehouse and Linda. Um, there's all kinds of things that are great for someone that is maybe first seeing if they're if this is something they even want to get into, or that someone that can't take off, you know, a chunk of time and devote to very focused learning. Um, and I think those kind of tools and being a self-starter and working through those, that's a great way to learn. I think with Center Center, we offer a, a different kind of experience where you don't just... Uh, learn by yourself, but you learn with other people. You have support. You have people challenging you, trying to make you better. Having you know, walking you through exercises of reflection. Um, you have direct contact with companies, partner companies, organizations, um, and you're building those relationships. And basically, the companies get to scout you for you know two years, and they're going to come here and be a part of workshops and mentorship opportunities. So that's a very different experience. You basically, if you're going to be, you know, if you're an awesome student and you do everything right and you start making these connections, your chances of getting a job with one of these companies is really high. So um, it, it's sort of, I think each individual person has to look at what their resources are and what their goals are and figure out what's the best option for them. And that's what's so cool about having so many different things to choose from. Nice. All right. Should we do another one, Dave? Yeah. Let's get into it. Uh, let's see. Matt. No, I think Edwards. the rest of these are not oh. particularly education. We're just, these are some normal. Normal ones. <laughs> okay. Normal. These are n- kind of. Nor- nor- we call them normies. <laughs> 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 All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Uh, Matt Edwards writes in I've been lucky enough to be working as a community manager for an advertising agency taking care of social media and web development. Recently, the job has grown too large and is being split into two, and I'm opting to stay with the development side as we bring in a new social media person. I've been asked to provide a possible job title. I'm not really sure, but figure if I can decide I should choose something that is recognized when I'm applying for positions in the future. Basically I will be looking after all the code produced by the agency uh, directly or managing staff. So I'm thinking web development manager. Do you have any more appropriate suggestions? So you get to pick a so, job title. That's the case. And I think that's the one case where, like, I, you know, I, I don't, just because I work, I've always worked for such small things, I don't really care that much about job titles. But the one really compelling reason to have a good job title is because when you change jobs, it can describe to the new company what you did at the old company, right? Or has a certain level of prestige or something, right? Isn't it? Right. Yeah, well, Dan Mullen just had a good post on this, like a creative director and an art director, like, or what's the difference there? So, but, so he was a community manager, but they've kind of spun off this, the social stuff into more, uh, m- more direct social marketing, I guess, like, a, uh, they hired an actual social media person. Now he's kind of gone to the web development side. Any any input, Leslie? You're pretty good with words. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I wonder if there's a way. There's a couple of things. Um, one can be to, if he's really seriously thinking about like what would be the best for a future, figure out what that job title is. Maybe do some research on what other people's job titles are um, that are hiring someone that would have his roles. Um, another thing is to see if maybe that job title can be switched to be whatever he wants it to be later. Um, I've seen a lot of people kind of customize their job titles. I don't know. Here's the thing. If you're like with a job search, 
if you can just like for I know he's not looking right now, but in the future, I mean, if you can just get to the point where you're talking about your roles and not and not the job title, that's the kind of company you want to go work for because they get it. Anyone that just focuses solely on titles, I don't even think you want to work for. <laughs> like you're not a UX intern, action designer you know, VP, (laughs) like, yeah. Like I feel like different markets have different things too. Like in, in Austin, UI engineer is like the big search, you know, the big advertising. And it's like, I don't know a single UI engineer. (laughs) Maybe I do, but like that, that's such a weird, I would throw vice president, throw a VP in there. If you can, Matt, maybe just, maybe just go with CEO, see if it, see if they'll take it. Yeah. I like director. Director sounds uh, good. If he's directly managing staff, there you go. Director of web development? Ha. I don't know. Titles are well, they're hard and meaningless. So I would say for him to choose like, you know, to research what other other roles are and then choose the thing that's gonna help position you best in the future, because in general titles mean nothing. If you're if the company's doing it right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you know what? I should have done this earlier. I always do Web, it. Webmaster is probably the best. You no, know, I was going to suggest that. It's probably the winner. Just it says it says it all. It's very. We can readable. get back in our time machine and go. Speaking <laughs> of other learning resources, a way to kind of keep up with your industry and learn a lot in a really short amount of time is to go to something like a conference. And so if you don't live somewhere that you can easily attend one or just, you know, kind of maybe have too much family, too much life stuff going on to, to disappear and travel to conferences all the time, there are ways that you can attend these conferences without going anywhere at all. And Environments for Humans, our sponsor, does some of that, which is these summits that they do. If any one of the, the conferences they put on ends in summit, you know that it's an online one. Uh, this is the third annual year that they've done this particular one, which is the RWD Summit. That's the URL, rwdsummit.com. Will get you to the right place, and it's three days in a row, and it's literally all day. It's you know normal kind of nine to five thing. Uh, April first, second, and third, and so it's all about the things that matter around responsive design, how to do it, but other things that you should be thinking about too, like like performance and UX, and I don't know, and how does that work with with other technologies like SAS and JavaScript, and certainly CSS is involved. Dave Rupert will be speaking at it, so that's a reason Ew. to go there. Uh, anyway, you can use. A coupon code shop talk show for 20% off any combo. So if you want to like just go on the day Dave's talking, well, you could do that if you want to, or you want to buy two days or three days or whatever, no matter what you decide to do, you get 20% off using shop talk show and you can attend it. Like I said, from anywhere in the world, at least anywhere in the world that you have a computer and an internet connection. That's half decent. And yeah, those are yeah. awesome, by the way. I, I love what Chris and Ari do, and their their work and their the the content they provide is is pretty k- killer. Absolutely, good job, Chris and Ari. Love y'all. All right, next comes in from Josh Howenstein. It's an audio question, our favorite kind of question, which puts him in the drawing for a free ticket. Is that right? Maybe. Is it, here we go. Hello, Shop Talk Show. Uh, I've owned a small web design company for a few years now. Um, most of the sites I do are just for little mom and pop type businesses. You know, uh, low budget, not much time spent on them. Um, learned a lot from them. Pays the bills, so that's good, of course. Um, but I've reached a point where I just really, I really want more challenge. Um, I'd love to work with some new startups or maybe just a larger web firm that's got some more exciting clients. I really just have no clue of how to get my foot in the door. Um, so any suggestions that, uh, you have for what my next step might be to help make this happen or, uh, anything I should be doing to make myself known, um, be extremely helpful. Um, I love the show. I really look forward to it every week. So, uh, keep it up. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Josh. Uh, well, step one to your question is uh, call into the Shop Talk show, which you've already done. But 
Step two, anyone have any input? He's, he's trying to, uh, not, you know, he's just trying to, to move up from, from like the small mom and pop kind of sites into something a bit larger, a bit more complex, maybe a new startup or something. I think you should just do a any bunch idea? of spec work. Isn't that what they say? That's how you kind of level up is just do a bunch of work for free. For- <laughs> Can't tell if serious. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> Lol JK. Okay. Uh, I, this is a good question. I, I'm not sure I have a straight answer other than, uh, like it, it's important to not hate that like ma and pa type work, but you know, it, the very low budgets is probably going to get to you. So how, how do you kind of move up? I, you know, I think it's, if I go out on a limb, it, I think it's like going to conferences or meetups and making friends. I, I think that's like the secret. And then you kind of like, you have exposure, they have exposure and, um, or they'll maybe think of you for the next time. You know, maybe you bought them a beverage and they'll think of you next time. I don't know that it's like classic businessing, right? Like we're businessing. Yeah. But I like how you, you say, it, uh, make friends instead of, you know, networking. It's, that's, it's cool to think about it more as building relationships, which networking is, but it, yeah, networking is like that where you're trying to take advantage of somebody. You know, I I've met these people like where that you talk to them and they're like you see it in their brain. They're like, "What can I extract from this individual?" You know, and you're just like, "Don't don't look at me like that." So, you know, so it's all about making friends. Yeah, making friends, some- maybe writing about work or other things too. It seems like if you know, if the more you kind of suss out your ideas in a written form and share that kind of information or share resources and just be like generally helpful to other people that tends to come back in ways you could never expect. So it's like, just be, be nice and share. Sure. That's good. I was reading Freakonomics. It's a book. Uh, but, uh, the economist, uh, Steve Levitt, he was just saying that the, like, to him, economics or whatever is about sharing. It was less, he wasn't like super academic in his school. It was all, it was all about sharing like your ideas and stuff like that. And I think we have the same thing in our industry. It's like, if you share things, you know, that's what maybe that equals attention or something like that. Well, it surely does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's a, that's a major reason that, that Paravel got to level up as high as you have is because not only do you do good work, but then you write about it. So, and then, and then it's just, you know, there's a good amount of people that end up on trentwalton.com, right? Because of some thing he wrote about, right? Riding around bikes Mm -hmm. as a kid or something. You can just tell that he's kind of a, (laughs) a, you know, a down to earth dude who, who has things to say about the industry and is a likable dude and does good work. Right. So who else would you want to work with in that? So maybe if you don't blog at all, Josh, maybe you should get into that a little bit, you know, and have this, have a website that's just tremendously clear that shows what you've done before, your best work and no, no, nothing else. Don't flush it out with bad work. Only put the good work in there because they, you know, as they say, you're only as good as the worst thing in your portfolio. Uh, but just put all your best stuff up there and write a little bit, make it seem like you're the kind of person that likes to get work with it and make it very clear that you're available for new business on that website. Right. So part of it, part of like wanting to level up is just being very clear about what you want. So, you know, like mm-hmm. you can tell us how much you wish you want to level up, but is there somewhere online that's shouting it to the world? Cause if it's not, you should do that. I think that's really important. Like if you don't ask for it, then you're never going to get it. Right. Yeah. Good luck, Josh. I think that might bring us to the end of the. Yeah, I think we hit the time limit. It's to, I need like a, it's time to go, like some outro music. Yeah. This is so sad. Leslie, thank you so much for uh, coming on the Shop Talk Show. We really appreciate it. Before we go, how can people follow you, get in touch with you, buy tickets to the, to the Unicorn Institute? purchase a unicorn from you or uh and then the last thing is what's one big thing that you're interested in plugging right now so um you can find me on twitter at jensen inman and you can find information about the unicorn institute at unicorninstitute.com can't believe that url was open (laughs) and um i guess the big thing to plug because we've only got something like 52 hours left 
is we're doing a Kickstarter for uh, to actually build out a lot of the courses, well, all the courses, and um, we've hit our stretch goal, which is pretty fantastic, and now, so everything over our stretch goal, all the money goes into uh, making scholarships for students, so if you haven't had a chance to back, and you're like, well, maybe, maybe I, they've already you know, they've already hit their goal. Um, you're basically, you're helping students. And so what's cooler than that? Helping the next generation in, uh, of UX professionals. So, yeah, and you can find a link to, for, to that from uh, unicorninstitute.com. Fantastic. By the t- by, if you're listening, if you're in the chat room right now, you should, you should do this. You should go back in immediately. If you're, if not, and you're listening to this, I'm afraid it's going to be over, sadly. So you're just going to have to watch it anyway and, and see how you can be involved after it's over. Okay. Uh, well, final, final thoughts from anybody? Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening, downloading us, and your podcatcher of choice. We are up for a .NET award if you go over to thenetawards.com, I believe, and uh, or whatever it is, and vote for us. That We'd really appreciate that. We... I just want a trophy in once in my adult life. That's all I'm asking for. And <laughs> is there anything else? No, I do have one. Know? I sorry to, to trip you up on this, but I <laughs> we I forgot to mention during the thing for RWD Summit that we're going to give away a ticket to that for all three days for free to you if you send us an audio question. It doesn't even have to be a question. It could just be a comment or an opinion or something, but probably it's a question. Questions are more useful to us generally. Uh, and then like tag it in the email rwd so that we know that that we can like search our email and find all of the people that have have submitted to this i think we have one so your chances are your chances are pretty decent of bringing home this ticket uh if you do that so and i know we're uh, this is at the last second of this thing so you've probably already stopped listening by now but yeah for the one other person you'll be competing 50 percent chance of getting this ticket anyway chopdogshow.com